for the plan that you've had with us from before the foundation of the world that we could share in your quality of life. Thank you, Father, that we can enjoy your presence and just be aware of who you are and what you are and who we are um, as you have just revealed this to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower me to preach in such a way that many will be persuaded of your good news. Amen. Amen. Right. Um, before I start, uh, the, before I preach the word, I, would just, I just want to share the vision of this fellowship. <clears throat> the vision that we have here, if you're a visitor um, here or you come just every now and then, you wonder what this fellowship is about. This fellowship is all about sharing God's original plan with you, uh, which is to have a wonderful love relationship with Him from where who He is will manifest in your life. Uh, to make it, to just to put in short is, the vision of this church is to serve people with a message of grace. That is the vision. Uh, the vision is not to see how we can get you to serve God. That is not the vision. The vision is to see how you, uh, how we can get you to have a revelation of His love for you so that He can serve you with a life that's equal to His. Amen. That is the vision. Okay? And that is the short and the long of the whole thing. Um, we can do it through different ways. We can do it through a CDs that we give out, preaching on a Sunday, and whatever comes. I mean, we've got a website available uh, you know, to touch people's lives. And, but the vision is to serve people uh, with a gospel of grace so that they can see God serve them with His quality of life. And that life that you receive has got attributes called like love and peace and generosity and power and victory and boldness and all those kind of things. That is the whole, whole, whole purpose, that we can see people share in God's quality of life. Amen. I just thought I want to say that. Those of you that are here for the first time, you are very welcome. Um, every one of you, you are valued. Uh, to, uh, you are valuable to us and obviously to God. Amen. I wanted to read something that I put on Facebook, but now I'll have to go into my Facebook account to read it. I forgot to do it before the time. So I'll have to do it next Sunday. <clears throat> when we were singing, uh, this is just before I get into the word, I want to just talk about one thing that we quote so much and we were singing about it. About it. Um, if God is for us, who can be against us? And, you know, we quoted that verse so many times, but yet we see there are so many things against us in this life. Uh, and we think, what is, what is this all about? And that verse is from uh, Romans uh, 8, <clears throat> where Paul comes and he declares, where Paul comes and he declares, in times of peril, nakedness, and the sword, in times when it is going very bad with him, he says, who can be against us? But the context of that verse has got nothing to do with uh, uh, the circumstances of this life. Although we apply it there and we can have a confident expectation that God will always help us and see us through, doesn't matter what the situation is, but the true context of that verse is actually more, much more powerful. It talks about immortality. Because Romans 8 verse 1, where it starts, it talks about, um, you know, man that was under the law and now, now we are under grace and we've received the spirit of grace. And this spirit shall bring forth fruit in our lives and it shall even bring forth immortality in the return of Christ. And doesn't matter what we go through now, even should I go through a hard time, it can never separate me from the love of God that God shall bring forth His fruit in my life and that God shall bring forth immortality in me in the return of Christ. And that gives the Christian the boldness to say that, um, and it gives him the platform to have confidence in his relationship with God, doesn't matter what the situation is. You know, there's times in my life when it goes very well. And there's times in my life when I just feel the normal things of this world, you know. And um, like this week, we had the, you remember now, I, I told you the one car was, was, um, you know, they want to hijack the car and then got bumped, so that's going in for repair on Monday. Then the 
other vehicle caught fire, and now there's a discrepancy between the between the insurance and the people that fixed the car, and they say it can take another month. Okay, so this is now. Plus then my, my PC, which is a state of the art, I didn't buy a rubbish, I bought a very good thing. The, the graphics card pack, packed up last night. So now I can't edit my stuff. Plus the books I printed, uh, you know, they gave me, the, the, the sample they gave that you, that you look at and say if it's good or not quality before you pay, has got nothing to do with the product they gave me. So that's why there's no books even here today, because I can't, I can't even give it away, you know. It's, it's, it's really a mess. I've got all these things, but that is no indication of fruit in my life. That doesn't measure my fruit. That cannot be against me to the point that I cannot have joy now. That's what it's talking about. Nothing can be against me. Even if I lose my job, even if I become ill, even whatever happens, uh, those things that happen to me is, can never be against God's love, which is the promise that His fruit shall bring forth love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, and temperance, and faithfulness into my life. So I can always expect joy because of His resurrection power. Amen. Amen. And we've only taken that narrowed down to a financial breakthrough or healing. You know, where it's much broader than that. It means you can be happy forever. Doesn't matter what. And I know I will stand here again and I will say everything was sorted out. And, you know, and that doesn't mean when it wants it sorted out that God loves me. <laughs> Amen. Right, okay. Um, let's get into the word for today. Today I'm going to talk about a, a very controversial subject and I think this is uh, the topic that has brought the most hurt and wrong understanding about who God is to the church and the world and it's the topic on the wrath of God the wrath of God the wrath van God okay now you know if I say wrath it, it doesn't sound as bad as wrath you know Vrak is a very bad word. <laughs> you know, the wrath of God. Now, how do we reconcile the wrath of God with the grace of God? Because those two things don't go together, apparently. Um, because God, it's as if God decided that, um, and this is the picture that was painted towards the world, um, and that gets the world to veer away from the gospel, it's a picture of a God that says, unless you do what I say, obey me, um, you know, and love me, the, uh, I will punish you. Now that doesn't sound like a very good person. And it's not easy for a person to naturally trust, rely on, and, uh, um, you know, come close to and seek affection from somebody that is like that. Now I want to say this um, just for a start for the people watching via the internet. Um, you know, my, my, one of my, my good friends from the US said on Facebook, he said, most people are atheists because of the message of, that the church brings forth, you know, because of the church, you know, and what they preach. And um, then I, I typed there and I said, I don't agree with that. Because I was in a Dutch Reformed church where you weren't even allowed to, to preach the gospel, you know, if you were passionate about God. Um, I was in a Dutch Reformed church that was, you know, hell-bent, you know, on religion. And yet I found Jesus, you know, and He found me. So why could I, in the midst of condemnation and guilt and all those things, find the love of God and another person use what the church preaches as an excuse to say I don't want anything to do with God what I'm trying to say by this is that there's a higher communication between God and humans than the preaching of the church God works in the heart of every human being I believe from the day of conception God works God says I've known you I've woven you together in your mother's womb. 
There I've designed you. I've given you a natural inclination to get to, um, you know, uh, uh, who I am and what I am. I've put, I put a natural drawing in you towards truth. Okay, so let us just remember that. So we can't put all the blame on the church. Because if, if God had to make the success of the gospel or base the success of the gospel on man's accuracy of what, what's preached, nobody will get saved. Okay, so there is something deep in our hearts that we really need to look at. So, but I do, uh, um, I do, I do, I don't, uh, I do have to say that the message on the wrath of God and hell and those kind of things has been used powerfully by people not to have anything to do with church. It is also a powerful tool um, by the enemy to get people to veer away from church and God. Because it is a thing of God has got a good side and God has got a bad side. For the Bible clearly says that there is a wrath of God. And then I want to just read from, um, from John 3 verse 36. And this is one of the verses that will boggle the grace preacher's mind. Um, because it sounds so full of anger and wrath. Uh, we're going to look at John. Because the computer broke, I couldn't get my message onto, the, um, onto my iPad. So now I'm paging around here. 3 verse 36. <clears throat> this is what it says. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not on the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abides on him. Now that doesn't sound like good news. But here it's written by the apostle of love, John. Okay, now, how do we deal with that? The wrath of God abides on him. Now, um, we have to go back and just touch on what I said last Sunday, uh, just to get a good perspective for those of you that haven't been here, on what God's original plan with man is. Um, we were talking about the adoption and how God adopts people. When we talk about the adoption, it's not just God adopting children like we adopt kids. The uh, Jewish adoption, the word adoption should actually be replaced with a, with a word reveal, to reveal or manifest. So what he says when the Bible talks about the adoption of sons, it's, it, what, it, what it actually talks about is him revealing his children to everybody and everything. Now, um, we all as humans belong to God. Every person on the planet is a child of God in the sense that God gave him life, that he is the God kind, and that he functions like God. And then we have a certain group of people in the world that find their life that they live every day, born from who and what God is, through belief in that truth. Amen. Okay. Those are called the sons of God. All people are the children of God, and the sons of God are those that have the life they live now. They say, I owe my birth to Him. In other words, the reason why I today can stand here not stressed out when everything goes wrong, this peaceful man you see is not me living. I owe the birth of this peace. Is I owe it to God. He gave birth to that. And the way it came to me was through His Word, which is a seed in my heart. It, was, it, it germinated. It was believed. And from that belief, I had access to this new life that He now lives in me. Now, these people will be revealed as the sons of God by being made immortal in human flesh, according to the Bible. For it was God's plan from the beginning that man will share in his quality of life. What, what I mean by that is, and I've said this many times, and I think we need to understand that. Um, for those of you that maybe watched by the internet and haven't watched my previous two sessions, I talked about Trinitarianism. 
or to be a Trinitarian. Now, for those of you that are here for the first time, that might be a very big word to you. What Trinitarian means is to be a person that believes in the Trinity. That's all it means. Now, there were other people, like I said, I think it was last Sunday, that confused the word uh, a Trinitarian with many other things, like we confused the word gay with being homosexual. Because the word gay means to be happy. That's the real definition of the word. And then we get the word homosexual, you know, and we, like I said one day in Malawi, there was this, this lady, and we looked at the moonrise, and she said, man, that's really wicked. Wicked. Wicked doesn't fit beauty. But that, to me, to her, it means beauty. In the very same way, we have to find our doctrine on the Trinity. The Trinitarian way of looking at things, which comes from believing in the Trinity. That's where everything starts. And for us to understand the wrath of God, you have to understand Trinity. If you don't understand Trinity, you cannot understand the wrath of God. It's very, very important to know that Father, that God in heaven was never alone. He was always in a family format. He always functioned from family, a family perspective. A father, a son, and the Holy Spirit. This family, almost father, mother, and child, and the son there is not a child, but a grown-up son. You know, the way I visit with my dad today, and the way we were, our friendship was when I was in five years of age, is not the same thing. I'm talking about grown-ups here, having a wonderful relationship with each other where they've got uh, mutual influence on each other and where the one forms the other one, shapes the other one's way of thinking and life. That is how God functions. Even the word Elohim, you know, um, uh, the word for God is the word El. Him is the plural of God. Like you would get, like you would get cherub and cherubim which talks about more than one cherub. Elohim talks about more than one God. And the Bible says, and God, Elohim, is one. What does that mean? It's the very same as what I would go to, um, to, to uh, 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 the Tower of Babel. And the Bible said, and all the people were one. Does that mean there was only one person? The Bible says God is one. Does it mean He's just one God in heaven? That's, that's it. No. God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And the word let there talks so much about relationship because it's the Father asking the Son's permission and, or actually just His union in the thing. It's like I would say to my family, let's go to the restaurant. Or let's Let's watch a movie. What you're actually saying is, I cannot enjoy my life without you. I can't see myself doing this thing without you being with me. I want that togetherness there. And that's a platform from where God creates. That's who He is. And then He created man to function from that way based on the principles which is God's principles from the beginning of time or even before time. And God predestined man to be a partaker of that life which runs and functions on his principles. Now, this is his principle. His principle is the principle of love and influence. It's actually called, the best way I can describe it is the principle of grace. Grace means influence. Wherein he influences you with his love, with his goodness, with his grace. And it, it functions on the principle of he is the self-existing one and He will share His existence with you. That's how it functions. That's how God functions in the Trinity. And we can be partakers of that, but if you want to be a partaker of His quality of life, you cannot have life without Him loving you. You cannot have righteousness without Him giving it to you. You cannot have holiness without Him donating holiness. And you, believing and being influenced by this, and as His love and His holiness influences you, you find that the spirit in which He operates, the spirit of the throne room, uh, becomes, the, uh, becomes one with you, and that spirit takes over your life and gives birth 
do what he knows. And that's the only way in which the kingdom of God advances. It's the only way in which, if you want to become part of the kingdom, that is the kingdom. You're going to become part of that kingdom. Through functioning the way he functions and allowing him to be good to you. Now, when it comes to the wrath of God, we, we, we have to understand this and then we have to understand what happened in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, and we're going to read this in Genesis um, 3 verse 22. Uh, we, we're just going to read that now, but let me just get the background there quickly. When man fell, what happened? Man did not believe or function anymore on the principle of you are because of me. He listened to the devil, and you, you know this doctrine very well, I've preached many times on this. He listened to the devil, wherein the devil said, you are not because he is, you are what you possess and what you can do. A human being has not been designed, I'm going to ask my wife a favor, Eliana, krijg hou op Facebook, nee, die, um, denk wat ek opgesit van Rabbi Zacharias, ek moet het lees, asjeblief. Um, <coughs> God has not been a man has not been designed to function outside of God. In him we live and move and have our being. And here comes a being that says, I'm not going to have my being in his being, I'm going to have my being in my possessions and in my ability. Then God said the following words, and here's the first manifestation of the wrath of God. In Genesis, thanks man. Okay, I'll read it now there. In Genesis Chapter uh, uh, 3 and verse 22. Listen to this. It says, And the Lord said, Behold, the man is become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he puts forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. So here he says, listen to what God does. Here's a being that says, I, I am what I do. And, and then, you must remember a lot of the stuff in the book of Genesis, although I believe in the physical creation, I also believe a lot of it is a type and a shadow trying to explain to us what actually happened there. What God said there is, I refuse to give life to the system wherein man says, I am what I do. For if I partner with that system forever man will live in the turmoil of finding life in his own ability and what he possess that is the wrath of God manifested right there the word wrath in the, in the Greek means passion it means passion uh, 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 it can also, it's also called violent passion um, you know, which can be seen as anger. But the, the, the core word there is passion. So what God revealed there was His passion for His original plan. He revealed that He's passionate about man having His quality of life by Him giving them life for free, for he is the self-existing one, meaning there is no life outside of him. So, by God saying you cannot have access by the tree of life, or to the tree of life, he is the only life, what he was actually saying is, I will not fund the law with life. That's what he was saying. I will not fund the law with life. Like I said to my sons this morning, you know, my, the, my wrath came down on my sons this morning. <laughs> with a big smile I said to them you know remember because at night I must say to them remember now to pack the stuff get everything ready the battery is charged everything for tomorrow eh? okay right then in the morning I said listen you need to get some speed you know let's pack the stuff you know? then they pack it and then every time I'm worried if they forget some wire or something and then I said to them, the way it works now is I'm not going to fund that anymore. What's going to happen is should you, should you, not, should you forget some, something, I'm not even angry. But you'll stand here and apologize to the people. That's all you do. So now they said to me this morning, Dad, 
all of a sudden I'm flooded with worries because now I worry if I got the cable. But what was happening was I was allowing that system all the time. So as long as what I allowed it, it lived. So what God was actually saying is, I'm too passionate about a love relationship where the foundation is love and me influencing people and me giving birth to my quality of life in them. I'm too passionate about that to share that with the old system and have legalism in my family. My family will not be a legalistic family. That's it. So that is the passion or the wrath of God. Now, let's go and look at a powerful verse about the wrath of God in Romans 4 verse 15. What works the wrath of God? And what manifests the wrath of God? And we're going to see how this wrath manifests. Uh, 15. 15. Romans 4 15. Romans 4 verse 15. So, um, we're going to see how this wrath manifests in the lives of people every day. Because the Bible says the wrath of God is upon the sons of disobedience. Does that mean that God takes away their money, kills their dog, breaks their fridge, or whatever? Does that mean that? If you look at the people living lives where that is uh, uh, flooded with uh, 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 drug abuse, flooded with all those kind of things, does that mean it is God bringing it on them? If you go and look at people that uh, uh, sleep around and get, get HIV AIDS, is that the manifestation of the wrath of God? In the sense of God giving them that sickness? Not at all. Not at all. And we're going to see, uh, look at that, um, you know, today, because we need to understand those things, that we can have peace of mind concerning the wrath of God. Remember what I said in the beginning? We, God had a plan for us to have His kind of a life. He's not going to fund that life, He's not going to uh, uh, give life to any other system outside of His system. For any other system is not the quality that He intended. Amen. That is all. That's just the way it is. He wants us to share in His quality of life. And should we say we don't want to live by Him influencing us, we can live by what we do, then God will have to incorporate death into His system. Bringing mixture to His system, bringing confusion to His system, and He's not going to do that. He will rather say, I will take the death system on me and end the death system and break the contract or end the contract that man had with the system of death and then invite them again into my kingdom. Okay, right, for he loves man too much. And I'm going to explain to you how God, God daily talks to people and love people that are experiencing the wrath of God. Um, I said Romans 3.15. Oh my goodness, do I have the 4, sorry. 4.15, it says, because, it says, um, Let's read verse 14. It says, For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. So what he says is, if you can have immortality or quality of life by the law, the promise is made of no effect. Because the only way God can influence you is when you believe in His goodness after He's been good to you. Faith is, okay, verse, verse, verse 15. Because the law works wrath. For where, uh, for where no law is, there is no transgression. So, okay, so it says here, the law works wrath. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now, the context of Romans, and guys, this is a bit more in-depth, but please try and follow me here. The, and we, we're taking stuff that I've been teaching now for two, three years, we're putting it together to start to understand this concept. He says, where there's no law, there's no manifestation of wrath. But where there is a law, there is a manifestation of wrath, for the law works wrath. Now what is this wrath? Romans 7, Paul comes and he basically says, when I, when I didn't live under the law to be righteous before God, I lived a very holy life. But when I came under the law and became legalistic and found my life in my own ability, I found all manner of sins manifesting in me. Which is then actually the manifestation of the wrath of God. Which is what? 
let's go to Hebrews 4 verse 3. So here we see, he says, the law works wrath. What is wrath? Wrath is the manifestation of death in your life. The law works that wrath. What is that wrath? That wrath is the wrath of God. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 4, um, I'm just going to quote it there. Hebrews 4 verse 3, he says, I have sworn in my wrath that they will not enter into my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So what he says is, although I've done everything, although I've taken away the sin of all of man, nobody, nobody will have my quality of life outside of me first being good to them. Nobody can share in my quality of life. I will not give life to the system of legalism. And even if I've paid for all of man's sins, my kingdom stands and the only way people can have life is by me influencing them with my goodness and I am not going for the legalistic system. What he was saying there, when he says, I've sworn in my wrath that they will not enter into my rest, although my works were finished, what he was saying is, now that I've finished the work, I am still not settling for the law to give you life. I'm still not, you know, and, and what's happening there is, when we become legalistic, we see God's passion for His system manifesting by Him not giving life to our system of death. So in other words, if you want to be righteous by your works, you will not find true holiness manifesting in your life. You will not find it there. Not because God said, I cannot give it to you in the sense of I'm keeping myself back. But He has limited Himself to His original design and who He is. He's not, to, to take this to the furthest point to explain it is what God says here is, I am not going to become Satan for you. What He's actually saying is, I'm not going to have Satan's system as the system from where God functioned, for it is a works-orientated system of loneliness and effort and peril and struggles, and I am keeping my system, and I am zealous about this system, so let me rather go and destroy the other system that is out of existence, and then I come and I invite people to my system, which is, I am good to you, and I've been good to you while you were a sinner. So that you can see my goodness, you can be persuaded of my goodness, and it can live in you. So now, when you come and you say, I don't want to believe this goodness, I'm going to struggle through in my own passions, and by legalism and law, what does God do? You, by your own free will, make use of a system that cannot give life. And the passion of God is that He shall never give life to that death system, but always lure you closer by talking to you, uh, having the Holy Spirit speak in your heart, speak in your mind, give you dreams and visions and passions inside you to draw you and lure you towards the place where you can have it all for free. Um, the, the same thing happened to me uh, uh, now with my book. You know, I, we put the book on the internet and start to sell the book. And um, I mean, I looked at what my friends asked for the book. You know, an e-book and whatever. And that's what every preacher do. When you write the book, you sell your book. And then at night, you know, that first night when the book was on the web, uh, we went to bed and uh, Eliana and I spoke about it. And my passion has always been to make the gospel available for free. That's my passion. That's my passion. And I've always been very upset with a system wherein merchandise, the church, the church is a place of merchandise. Jesus says, you've made my house a house of merchandise. You know, where you buy and sell and all those kind of things. And it's always upset me and you know, then I looked at the book and it, it costs money. I mean, it costs you 30,000 Rand to do the book, um, everything together. And you, you think, man, you know, it's a lot of money. You still need to get that money. But my passion is revealed, you know. In, and, and I went onto the web. Those of you who didn't see it. I went to the web and I apologized for selling those books and offered a refund to everybody. 
that want, uh, want their money back, I'll refund them. And it's available for whatever you want to give. So if you want to give something, you can. And if you put in, I mean the price, you can put in the price of the book. If you, want, if you put in a zero, then you download it for free. That's the way. I've always been passionate about preaching the gospel. Now, to the person who sells his book, this might sound as if my wrath is revealed towards him. Because I am now actually saying he's selling the gospel. Because I apologize there for selling the gospel. So this can bring trouble to me um, from other preachers and they can feel my wrath. Because if we are at a conference and my books are there, then mine is available for whatever you want to give next to his. You know, that's going to say something to people. So there's, a, there's a, a revealing and I can never, should that person come to my church and preach here, his book shall not be for sale on my table. He shall give it here according to the system of this house. For I am not partnering with that system. Do you understand how it worked? That's, a, that's how I see the wrath of God. The Bible says clearly that he has sworn in his wrath that we shall not enter his rest without faith. You cannot enter the rest of God without faith. And let me just move this barrier again about faith. You cannot have the rest that God has outside of you being persuaded of how much He loves you. That's what God has sworn from the beginning. You will not know what it is to be like me outside of you being persuaded of how good I am to you. And I'm not allowing any other system. And in God's passion for this truth, He loves people so much that if you want to have it your own way, you can have your own way. But my door is open. If you want to come back, my door is open. You know, come. I'll give you life. But I am not going to part from, I'll give you life by my love. I'm not going to part from you understanding me knowing uh, th that you are my being and my kind. I'm not going to part from that. Let me read this from Rabbi Zacharias here. It says, Personhood, according to Christian understanding, cannot be reduced to form or function. Okay, this guy's stuff you need to always read 20 times before you really get what he's saying. He uses big words, speaks at all these universities, you know. So this is what he says. Personhood, according to the Christian understanding, cannot be reduced to form or function. Not how you look or what you do. You cannot define a human by that. Indeed, our identity is sacred by definition. For we have been created by God to bear God's image. Our, I mean, our design, our identity is sacred by definition, for we are in the image and likeness of God. We have been endowed with a moral sense, oh my goodness, with a moral nature which has got the capacity to give love and understand goodness. A child then does not find a worth or physical beauty in mental power or, or prowness, but prowness but in the reflecting of beauty of a character. So a child doesn't find, you know, who she is, you know, in, in, in this, how clever they are, or anything like that, but in the fact that you can reveal the very nature of God. That's what makes us human. We are the, we are the God kind. And God is not going to reduce. God is said, I'm not going to settle. I've sworn in my rest. When he went and created everything and he rested, he swore and said, never shall there be a system that lasts forever that is out, that, that, that's not in line with my system. That is the passion and the wrath of God. With this in mind, we've always seen the wrath of God as God wringing your neck. It is not that. It is God being so passionate about the free will design He gave a man that He will allow man to have a life based on whatever He wants to do. I don't believe God will leave you or forsake you. He will always continue to speak to you. It's like the prodigal son. God's passion for His house was and the way He functioned was that when the prodigal son 
wanted to leave, he gave him his inheritance. And he was good to the son. And he was so good that, I mean, if the son wanted to come and have the world system in the father's house, the father wouldn't allow that. He would say, no, son. If you want the world system, go to the world. You are still my son. Maybe you're a prodigal son or a son that has died, or a son that is lost, but you are still my son. You can never get my name out of you. But the goodness that the father showed the son brought the son back home. He said, my father is even good to the servants. So let me go back to my father and be a servant. Then the father was so passionate about his son and family relationship that he never allowed the son to be a servant. For you, a son can never be a servant. When the son said, let me be your servant, what did the father say? The father never even answered him on that rubbish. What he said is, slaughter the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger. That ring means equality with the father. Put a ring on his finger, give him new shoes, clean him up and let's have a massive celebration because this son of mine who was dead is now alive. And then you see, the, you see the wrath of God on the older brother. The older brother goes outside and he waits outside. He was just as outside as the prodigal. And then he came to the older brother and says, why are you upset? He says, you know, I've worked so hard that you would give me a goat. But you never did. Do you see the wrath of God on the older son? He never gave him a goat when he worked for the goat. You can only have a goat for free. Do you see the passion of the father? God's passion for his system is that he will never give life to your death. He will take you out of death and share his life with you. That's the passion of God. Here is the elder brother working his butt off all the time to get the father to give him a little goat that already belongs to him. We work to have life. We work to have peace. We do all these things, but life and peace already belongs to us. Amen. Let's make use of it freely by believing what God has given us in Jesus Christ. Amen. And this is the sad part of the whole thing. You know, when you look at... Oh, let, let me first say this before I get to that. When the father spoke to the elder brother, you know, he never said to the elder brother, well, you, you know, you're actually right. You did do so much good. Let me reward you for the good you've done. He was too passionate about the system of, I'm the father, this is the house that I provide, these are the cattle that I provide, I share it with you, you own everything, and I now live with you. And we co-share in these things. And you inherit my kingdom. You inherit my life. I put my kingdom in you. He never went and said to the elder brother, well, let me just think about that again, you know. Let's bring in a system here in my kingdom, wherein I now, you know, judge this brother on what he's done. And let's see if he then qualifies. And then in that system, we can also have a little place of mercy as well. And maybe he can then come in and, and be a servant for a while and then work his way up when he has proven his faithfulness. He says, no. He says, my son, why aren't you happy with me? Your brother that was dead is alive. Look at the wrath of God, the passion of God that's revealed towards God's passion towards the son, and, but the elder brother experiences wrath. For he's not believing in what he really received. And we find that in church today. We are finding people experiencing the wrath of God. They feel they're not loved. They feel they're not cared for. They never feel good enough. You know? I spoke to a, a friend of mine that's going through a very hard time. And, um, you know, we spoke about money. And the way money works is money, money's got the promise of happiness. It's got the promise of happiness. And you find most people, once they've reached what they define as financially prosperous, get addicted to alcohol or leave their wife, marry another one, leave their children or just 
do such stupid business decisions that they become bankrupt. Everything goes well until they're rich and then they lose everything or, or you know, their life falls apart. Why? Because there is no life in that system. It's like Don Williams sings. He says, I've, changed the rainbow. I've chased the rainbow but found out that it was just water shining in thin air. There is no life there. Life is in the here and now in the loving relationship that He has for you and God is so passionate about it that He's not going to give life to works. He's not going to give life to, well, if you're rich then you'll be happy. He will not give life to that. He's not going to give life to, and to the preachers watching, you know, if you raise 20 people from the dead then you'll be happy. You'll chase more every time. Mm -hmm. You hear it all the time. You know, we've seen 20,000 miracles. We need more. We need more. We need bigger. We need greater. This building needs to be so big. This, why? <laughs> the wrath of God is revealed upon the sons of disobedience. That's what it is. And the end of it all is when Jesus returns and we receive in our bodies what we relied upon which was Jesus those who fully relied upon the law without ever wanting anything to do with the system of God will have what that system can produce in their bodies forever yes. that is just the way it is it is not God at the end day saying well jylle het my geirriteer en ek het jylle gewaarski no that is not how it's going to be even at the end, in the, in the wrath of God, when we see that system manifest where those who didn't want God and fully wanted the other system have their death, you know, which we don't know how it's going to look. We, we will just know it will not be life. But when we look at that, even us who understand God will see it as the love of God. Let me end it off this way if I go to Stellenbosch and um, I enroll my son for the best course there is um, I get him a place in the hostel you know I look at the, 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 the whole situation there um, I know him so well and I know friends and I look at the, I see this one guy has got a, a wonderful daughter that can really um, you know, be a good wife to my son and my son will be a good husband to her you know, and I not but I try and get them together that they just at least have a milkshake together you know and um, do something to get them together and, and I give them everything for a happy life and he decides that he wants to be a drug dealer in the presence of everything I give him Should I now say, okay, let me help you to start a drug cartel? Would that be love? It is not love. Common sense says it's not love. Common sense says, even after you've started all of that, you'll always have compassion for him, you always love him, and when he decides that he doesn't want that anymore, he can come and finish his studies. For you'll never judge him based on what he does. That is love. And our God functions like that. Would it be love to tell my son, you shall go to university? Although it is good to him. Will it be love? It is not love. To force him. It will not be. To say, you shall study there. And then he doesn't, then you force him. Then you say, well, then I take away all your money, and I take away everything. You know what you will breed? Rebellion. The best way is like the prodigal son when he says, give me my inheritance. And the father knew he was going to waste it. Give me the inheritance. Then he gave him the inheritance and allowed him to have free will. And that's what God has given us. So never again see the wrath of God as God punishing you. Never see the wrath of God as God in the end time punishing those that didn't want to listen to him. See the wrath of God as God's passion for his system of love and that he was not willing to partner with the system of death.
That is the wrath of God, God's passion for us. Amen. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you for your wrath that you've revealed even in the Garden of Eden by saying, I will not partner with the law. And you came and took away all of the legalistic system in Jesus Christ so that the truth could be preached to us so that we can now boldly go to the tree of life and live from this place of righteousness which you have given to every human being. Thank you, Father, that I could preach on this this morning. Father, in the presence of so much rejection that people have felt, it's not easy to minister on this. But thank you, Lord, that even in this, we can feel love. Thank you, Lord, that you're not angry with man. You love people. And even those people that are experiencing the consequence of living by the law, you are around them all the time. You will leave the 99 to win the one. And thank you, Lord, that, that you can use us in such a powerful way that we can bring them and help them by loving them, being good to them, sharing with them your grace, Lord, that they can come to you. Use us. We are with you in this. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are not angry. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal through your Holy Spirit that you're not even angry with the world. Thank you, Father, that we can know that the law works wrath. The fruit of being in the law is the wrath that we see. And it's not you killing people. You've never been a murderer. You have sanctified your name in Jesus. I pray for every person that is here right now. Thank you, Father, as this is a, a stretch in people's brain. I thank you, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, just come and just speak to them in a very powerful way and reveal these truths to them. And thank you, Lord, that even to me, help me that I can articulate these things even better in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for every person that is sick here in their physical body. I declare you are healed by Jesus Christ. Every person here that's going through a bad time financially, wisdom is yours. Guidance is yours. You know what to do. He gives it in, uh, to you in Jesus' mighty name and He cares for you as He always has in Jesus' name. People here that's going through a hard time with um, uh, uh, relationships, wisdom is yours in Jesus' mighty name. And you know what to do by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The more you rest, the more you'll know what to do and the more He'll do in you. Amen and amen. amen. Well, guys, I, I think the next Sunday I will just go, on, go along these lines again and just share more on it and uh, take more scriptures in the Bible and, and, and just make this clear to everybody. Um, I ask you to just follow the generosity in your heart. If you want to give, give over there. Please take your CDs. Um, next Sunday, hopefully, we will have the books, books ready for you guys. God bless. Amen. Thank you.